Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. The temple compound in Jerusalem was definitely a magnificent structure. It was a huge place. It was a place that required a significant amount of work in order to construct, and it was definitely recognized as being a holy place of God. This temple had great importance in Jerusalem. It was a place that people knew. It was a place that people recognized. It definitely was a place that everyone had some association with to one degree or another. Everyone knew about the temple. Everyone recognized the temple. It was the predominant place there in Jerusalem, especially for the people. And on occasion, people would be thinking about their God. And of course, the temple was the place that people would associate with when they would think about their God. They would make an association between the two because it was advertised in that way. The temple was advertised as the dwelling place of God. It was advertised as the place where you could get closer to God, where you could draw near to him, where you could learn the disciplines of holiness. You could learn the way of life that the Pharisees had established or the way of life that the Sadducees had recognized. You could live in obedience to God as best you could, and in that way, you could draw near to him, or at least that was what was advertised. That was what the people believed. And so if they ever wanted to do that, if people would think about their God, if they would think about wanting to draw near to him for whatever reason, then it was the temple that people would go to. It was the temple that people would turn to. The people in the temple, the priesthood in the temple, the Levitical priests perhaps even tried to identify themselves with the high priest. People made associations with the temple in order to try to have some sense of fellowship or continuity or connectivity with their God. That was what the temple was to the people there in Israel at the time of the Lord Jesus. The Hebrews identified themselves as a people of the living God. And so if they identified themselves as a people of the living God, they associated themselves and identified themselves with the temple where they believed their God resided. Or at least that was the place where people would speak about him, where they would worship him, where they would pray to him, where they would perform sacrifices and offerings to their God. The temple was everything to the people in Jerusalem, to the Hebrews, during the time of the Lord Jesus and during the time when the New Testament was being written. But what would the person's life be like if they wanted to draw near to their God? During that time, they would go to the temple, and when they arrived there, they would be met, or they could find some priests, they could find some Pharisees, they could find some people who they would esteem to be holy or righteous to some degree. They could go to the temple, and there they could learn the scriptures, they could learn about their God from people who were teaching there, They could learn the observances that they would be expected to perform or be involved in or participate in. They would know about the festivals that would take place every year that they would need to participate in. They would know about or they would learn about the sins 
that God determined were sins, the kinds of behavior that was considered to be inappropriate or sinful or evil. They could learn about these things. They could learn about prayers that they could say, that they could express in order to try to make an appeal to God, an appeal or a request for forgiveness or or something, an appeal in order to obtain better opportunities for employment or an appeal in order to try to have some association with their God, perhaps build a relationship with him. They could learn about these kinds of things. The sacrifices and offerings were presented there, and so if they felt that they had sin that they wanted to have atoned for, then they could go and they could present their sacrifices or offerings, and through their involvement there in the temple, they could perhaps try to find some way to obtain atonement. And then, of course, the Pharisees were devoted to or preoccupied with a pursuit of trying to find a way of living so that they could reduce the sin in their life to the extent where perhaps they would never sin. That that was the focus there in the temple. People would participate in these things. They would involve themselves in these things with the hope that through this, they would be able to draw near to their God. And certainly there was a great deal of devotion involved in that. You would have to be quite devoted. You would have to be quite sincere in order to pursue a life like that, because it does require effort. It does require a great deal of self-sacrifice. And that's something that I believe we should at least acknowledge, we should at least recognize, that in order for people to participate in a religious life such as that, it would require a great deal of interest, it would require a great deal of sincerity, a great deal of devotion, especially because there was no absolute requirement for people to do most of what was taking place there in the temple, in the temple compound. And so because of that, we should at least acknowledge that and see that a person had some interest in terms of devotion and in terms of self-sacrifice in order to esteem some sense of holiness or a relationship with their God. But the reality is that a person's sins will never go away. A person cannot possibly remove all of the sins from their life to the extent where they never sin again. This is something that we do understand as has been clearly revealed by the Lord Jesus. And so because of that, they would never be able to obtain the standard of holiness that would be required so that they could turn to their God with a great deal of confidence, recognizing and truly appreciating him for who he is and acknowledging his full, complete acceptance of them. That would never be achieved, or at least through most theologies. Some theologies actually do present the notion that once you perform the certain rituals, sacrifices, offerings, or confession, or penance, or whatever it may be, that eventually you can achieve a certain point that may last at least a few minutes. That you can achieve this, and through that, you can at least for a short period of time feel a sense of peace with your God, knowing that he fully accepts you at least until you sin again. That's what a lot of people believe. That's how a lot of people live. And that's not what I'm referring to. I'm referring to the kind of love and acceptance, the kind of acceptance that you can obtain from your God so that you can live continually with a full recognition that he does not hold your sins against you at all. That was something that was not available in the temple compound. It was not available in the priesthood. It was not available in the doctrines and in the lifestyles of the Pharisees. This was not possible. You could draw near to him to a certain extent, but never to a point where you could truly be at peace and at rest in your own heart. 
Now, if I was to say that to somebody like that, they, of course, would ridicule me and say that I didn't know what I was talking about because they would say that they felt that they believed that they had drawn near to him as close as they possibly could, as close as they ever would, as close as he made available for them. And so people would certainly contend with my statement concerning that. But please understand that I'm expressing this from my own perspective, from my own belief and from my own life in Christ Jesus, because there was a time when I was pursuing a life of holiness and the disciplines thereof, when I was trying to obtain a right relationship with my God, when I was trying to obtain a sense of peace and joy and rest in him through Pharisaical Judaism, that I certainly was doing that in the historical context, in the historical teachings that were presented before the time of Christ Jesus, that I did this and I know the difference between that kind of a life and the life that I now live under in terms of the new covenant that I understand. And so when I say that there is no way for a person to draw near to God, I'm expressing that from my own belief and from my own experience and from my own opinion, that in comparison with the relationship that I do have right now, comparing that with what I thought I had back then, that's what I'm referring to, that what I have today and what I know now, what I understand today And what I understand about my Messiah and what he has done for me and the way that my God sees me in that perspective, from that point of view, there is no way that anyone could possibly draw near to God with anything that was available in the temple there in Jerusalem during the time of the Lord Jesus or when the New Testament was written. And so the Hebrews there needed to separate from that just as people need to separate from various temples, various disciplines of holiness today. That certainly, just as people struggle with that back then, so also people struggle with the same thing today. Today, there are many temples all over the place that are huge, massive structures, beautiful structures that have cost a significant amount of time and resources and labor, most of which, of course, hasn't quite been paid for yet, but they certainly do represent a significant amount of cost and are certainly of great size, of great magnitude, and there are many people, huge numbers of people, who flock to these places, who go to these places, and you certainly want to be with other people as well. And there is an assumption that people have that if there are so many people who are participating in places such as these, in structures such as these, that surely there must be something real there. I do believe that that's a false assumption, but there are many people who do believe that. And so they go to these places with the assumption that they will be able to draw near to their God only to discover in just a matter of time, people will discover that there is no way that they are going to draw near to their God through participating in things such as that. Through listening to the ministers and to the priests who preach and proclaim things of God there in places like that, that just as people struggle with this back in the time when the book of Hebrews was written, so also people struggle with the exact same thing today. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, it says, For the law since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make perfect those who draw near to God. And certainly the writer was acknowledging that there were many people who were drawing near to God, who were wanting to be near to Him, who were making a sincere effort to draw near to Him, to want to have some kind of fellowship, a connection with their God. But the temple, the things of the temple, the sacrifices, the offerings, 
the disciplines of holiness, the prayers, the praise, the singing, the everything, all of the activity, all of the people, none of that would do anything to draw anyone near to their God because there was no way for any of that to make a person perfect. And if you're not perfect, then you're not perfect. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you're not perfect, then that means there is something that is being held against you to show that you are not perfect. And if there is something that is still held against you that demonstrates and shows that you are not perfect, then your God is not going to fully, completely accept you. And if that's the case, you cannot draw near to your God. And so the law was given, and the temple that was defined through the law, the laws necessitated a tabernacle, and so also the temple was built from the model of the tabernacle. And today, again, there are many temples, there are many churches, many buildings that are built under the same philosophy, under the same model of the tabernacle, as a place where people can go in order to deal with their sins, in order to learn disciplines of holiness, in order to present sacrifices and offerings, certainly not to go and set their pets on fire, but they can bring money, they can bring their resources, they can bring their time, where they can volunteer for various things. There are other ways of presenting sacrifices and offerings through which a person may believe that they're going to become more perfect or more holy or more acceptable to their God. And the reason why they believe that is, of course, because that's what people tell them. And certainly people believe what other people tell them. That is a reality of life. And in these places, there are lots of places, lots of people who will tell you all that you need to do in order to serve them so that you can become more acceptable, more perfect to your God so that you can draw near to him. But the writer of this letter to the Hebrews is making it very clear to the Hebrews, just as it needs to be made clear today in a similar way, in a very similar way. He was making it very clear to them that what they were participating in would not make them perfect would not enable them to draw near to their God, that there was nothing there for them, nothing there. In fact, all that which was there and all that is there in the vast majority of places that we compete with concerning these subjects, there is nothing there except continual reminders of your sin. Continual reminders to the extent where you are continually reminded You are continually told, you are continually preached at, and continually informed that you are not perfect, that the Lord your God holds your sins against you, and you should continually try to draw near to Him, but you never will make it. You'll never make it. You'll never draw near to Him, and so you need them. You need the priests. You need the pastors and the ministers. You need the religious and holy people to continually give you that opportunity to try to draw near to your God, but you never will. Because just as the Hebrews needed to separate from the temple back then, so also people in many ways need to separate from the religion that's available today, that's built under the same model, under the same premises. Turn to the Lord Jesus. Jesus is a person. He is in heaven. He lives within you. If you are alive, if you have been resurrected according to the gospel, He is indwelling within you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And there is no other. And there never will be. There is no more sacrifice for sin. There hasn't been for a long time and there never will be again. The sacrifice and offering of the Lord Jesus was once and for all and through Him, You have been made perfect because of what he has done for you so that you can now draw near to him. And you don't go anywhere to do that. You don't need 
any intermediary to assist you with that. You turn to your God and he will guide you. He will lead you into all truth and he will prepare the works for you to walk in. And he will guide you and lead you in your daily life in such a way that through the experiences that you get to have in this world, you will have new opportunities and greater opportunities to know who he is. There is no temple that can provide for that. And there is no series of disciplines of holiness that will provide for that. He is a person and you must turn to him, not to your activity. Again, in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, it says, For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is the significance of what the Lord Jesus accomplished, and the Hebrews were not believing that. They were not believing that the blood of Jesus took away sins. And the way that it was demonstrated that they were not believing this was because the Hebrew believers in Christ Jesus were still continually returning to the temple. They were still continually returning to participate in the things of the temple, to involve themselves in the temple, to exercise the activities, to be a part of the festivities, to be participants and give their endorsements concerning the sacrifices and the offerings, to be participants in the activities and the disciplines of holiness, of the study of scriptures from the perspective of the priests and the Pharisees there in the temple who were continually trying to live a life to get all of the sin out of their life, who were continually pursuing a life that they would never truly be able to achieve except out of their own deception, out of their own interest in deceiving themselves and others around them to live a life that was a complete lie, That was a struggle that the early believers in Christ Jesus were still involved in. When the Apostle Paul returned to Jerusalem after being involved in his missionary journeys, for example, when he was there the last time, recall when he went to the temple, he was there and there were believers in Jesus there. He was confronted by other believers there. He confronted other believers there. It was a huge issue for him to be there at all. And then when he was there, for him to go to the temple and for him to do things in order to demonstrate that he was still willing to support the Mosaic law. That was the issue. The writer, whether it was him or not, and I do believe it was him, but even if it wasn't who was writing this letter to the Hebrews, is writing them, making an appeal, saying, look, if the sin issue between you and your God is over, then what place do you have there in the temple? You have no place there. You have no part in the things that are there. There is no longer any sacrifice for sin. There is no longer any offering for sin. And there is no longer any need to have any consciousness of sins at all. That's verse 2, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 2. Would no longer have had consciousness of sins if you have been once cleansed. And we have been Once cleansed, cleansed once, it has already happened, it has already been accomplished, there is nothing left to be done. But again today, the same issue still exists. 
where people are continually dealing with their sins, but of course they're not going in and presenting sacrifices and offerings like they did back then. Now we have new sacrificial systems. We have new means of making offerings. You can give your money and you can give your apologies. You can confess, you can ask for forgiveness. There's no need to shed blood anymore. Now apparently people believe that the new covenant is about Levitical light, where you just apologize instead of shedding blood for the forgiveness of sins. That's Levitical light is what I call it. But people have to separate themselves from that, just as people had to separate themselves from the temple in Jerusalem back then. Otherwise, there was no way to draw near to God. For in verse 4, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. You know what? So also it is impossible for your apology to take away sins. It is impossible for your confession to take away sins. It is impossible for your activities to take away sins. There is no way for sin to be taken away other than the offering that the Lord Jesus already made once and for all to take it all away. There is nothing else. And so if there is anything, if there is anything whatsoever that you participate in that leads you to believe that he still holds your sins against you, that you still need to find a way to deal with your sins, then you are not drawing near to your God. You have not drawn near to him, and you probably never will draw near to him, because you must let go of that, just as the Hebrews had to let go of that. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, it is written, Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. After saying above sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law, then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. And in verse 10, by this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You have been sanctified if you believe in him, if you have been resurrected from the dead through the indwelling presence of his spirit within you, you have been sanctified. He has no interest in burnt offerings for sin. He has no interest in any sacrifice. He has no interest in your apology. He has no interest in your confession. He has no interest in anything related to your sin at all. The only thing that he has interest in is his will, which is the description of the inheritance that is being given to you if you are a child of his. And that inheritance has been made available to you as a result of his death. That is what he is doing. You want to talk about sin? Fine. You can talk about sin for the rest of your life. But you know what? Sin is so evil, it is so wicked that it requires the death of God. And if you're not going to believe that, if you're going to believe something else, that no, no, that made it possible for us to deal with sin in a simpler way, that now now we have a simpler way of dealing with sin, that's what that means. No, that's not what it means. It means that the sin issue between you and your God is over. That's what it really means. That you have a new way of living before you. And if you will embrace the inheritance that you have 
you will live in the abundance of what you truly need. And when you live with what you need, with what you truly need, then the temptations of sin will dissipate, will go away. The consciousness of it evaporates practically. I mean, it has no place in your life anymore. The consciousness of your sins in the past, the consciousness of your sins in the present, and the consciousness of any sins in the future. They have no place in your life. The temptations of sin has no place when you rest in the abundance of who he is for you. Make no mistake, there is no other way. I I don't know of any other way. This is what he has clearly revealed, and I truly believe that what he has said is true. In verse 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, by this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You know, this issue of sanctification is a big one. There are a lot of people who are still continually proclaiming that your life in Christ is about trying to get sanctified. That you may be sanctified in a positional point of view, but from a practical point of view, you are not sanctified and you need to continually learn the disciplines of Christianity so that you can be more sanctified. And you know what? I just don't see that. I just don't. I don't believe that. I don't think that has any truth within it at all. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe that the sins that a person struggles with can certainly be reduced in their life as they continue to mature in Christ Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I'm certainly not going to argue that. I'm not going to get into that kind of a discussion because I do believe that we should expect that. And if we don't see that, we should question things. The issue is what is going to be the origin and the dynamic behind the change that occurs within a person. And I sincerely believe that the only way that there can be any change within a person to be conformed into the image of God, for him to work within their heart and to transform them from the inside, that the only way that this can be accomplished is if a person truly draws near to him, and they won't until they realize that the sin issue has been completely dealt with and that it's over, and that you have truly been completely sanctified. You have been sanctified in the sense that you have been set apart for a purpose. That's what that word means. And the purpose is to be the object of the love and acceptance of your God. And if you believe that your sin is still a barrier between you and your God, then you cannot be the object of his acceptance. I am out of time in this broadcast, but I will continue in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.